Hello and welcome to This Ripe Fruit. My name is Phoebus and this podcast series aims to look at what it means to be sexual by exploring the experiences and insights of people who either directly work in the sex industry or whose work is closely linked to sex. I'm a psychotherapist and currently carrying out a doctorate on the meaning of sexuality and my aim in this series is to create an open and non-judgmental space where we can all listen and learn from people who deal with sex and the sexual professionally. My guest today is Rooster, who is a non-binary performer, an advocate for safer working practices in porn, and a sex educator on consent and ethics. We started the interview today by exploring what they understood by the term feminist porn. So feminist porn is a movement or a genre that was started, I think, in the late 80s by people who wanted to really push for the ideals or the ethics of you know um, feminism and kind of like bring it to uh, porn but also to um, sex in general so um, I've worked a lot with like a lot of the top feminist pornographers currently like working each of the feminist porn filmmakers that I've worked with have had their own spin on it Um, so there's um, female pleasure like authenticity like you know getting away from like the male gaze like uh, more kind of you know female or or women and um, non-binary and other kind of genders um their kind of gaze or like those kind of people like working behind the camera um and their influence more um so, so that women and non-binary people, so so people who aren't men, being the subjects in in this in this type of porn, maybe not the subjects, but more you know, in positions of in lead positions behind um, you know creating porn. You might get like mainstream porn, which um, has a lot of the ideals of feminism, but they don't like they don't actually like sell themselves as, you know, feminist porn. And then you also have, like, feminists who are, like, trans-exclusionary and stuff. So even within, you know, like, the broader scope of the feminist movement, there is, like, a split. So when you kind of trans uh, transpose that onto, you know, porn and you're making feminist porn, what does that mean? Are you taking the broad movement of feminism or are you being very selective where you like you have to be very clear what feminist porn you're, you're making you know I, I there's a feminist there was a very um prominent feminist uh pornographer called lucy blush who came out as being anti-feminist after a while and became came out as very used words that were very transphobic but would you know where does that sit on like you know uh feminist porn um so i I feel there's like a lot of um even within you know feminist porn like um it is trying to take the ideals of uh the feminist movement and transpose that Uh, but you mentioned one of the uh one of the characteristics of feminist porn is it's being directed or produced or um through a non-male gaze Mm. Um, would it be okay to be directed and produced by men who are feminists? Or would that, is there something about just the male gaze that is impossible to get away from? So that's like a very tricky question in terms of, um, I feel it's possible and, or not only is it possible, but is from my experience is what is also being done 
because actually a lot of the production companies that I've worked with that do label themselves as feminist porn actually have a lot of um, men who are in the senior roles who are the CEOs or so there's one uh, company which kind of calls itself or it, it says you know porn made by women but when you look at the seniority like the CEOs it's men who are on that so then it kind of comes into a tricky question. So what is... Yeah, what is feminist porn? Yeah. Um, is it, you know, is it still men who are behind the curtain and still pulling the strings? Or is it is it being used as a marketing tool? Or can you generally have, like, men who are feminist who are so... I, I can imagine you can have women who are producing and directing who are not feminist, who objectify women, who, you know, who are just taking on the male gaze. That, you know, yeah. just because somebody happens to be a woman... I, I can't see how why that would necessarily make it a feminist porn movie. Yeah, yeah. And that's what um, I feel has... Or through my experience, I've learned to be critical of um, and also interrogate the ethics of like feminist porn because my experience hasn't been merry all the way in terms of, you know, when I kind of first um, started in the industry. In my experience, I feel feminism and its ideals are amazing, and it's something that is definitely needed in porn. But the ideals of like feminism also have to be interrogated and we need to push for something more like intersectional feminism. But we also have something else, like a growing genre or emergence through porn called ethical porn, which I feel is a much better signifier of of porn that it can be better or is good porn because of what I've just stated, as in, you know, not all feminism is great <laughs> uh-huh. so, so what is it that first um, appealed to you about sex work and performing uh so i i had a lot of um partners and friends who were working in the broader kind of um context of sex work i was very much involved in like the bdsm kind of uh scene and i had a partner who was a pro dom and we would do go to like a lot of fetish parties and like perform and stuff like that so it was very kind of like liberating and um exploring like my sexuality in that kind of sense i always had like a fascination with sex and sexuality and my history with sex is very complex and complicated being a survivor of like childhood sexual abuse so like sex has always been something that has been very prominent or very much like a a central part of you know my thinking so yeah like I always really admired like how folks in um who I'd surrounded myself with and you know who were doing sex work I was just like it seems very fun at times um and very like enjoyable and very like liberating And, and what is it like performing for you what's what's that like performing has kind of changed for me or grown for me over over the years when i first entered porn i very much approached it as like being authentic as possible and not even with that kind of like foresight or realization or that push you know i was just much more like oh the people that were or the porn that i watched you know that was authentic you know they you know i didn't think of it much as like a performance um, I guess I didn't have, like, the porn education or the porn literacy to know that, you know, now that I know that the majority of it is, like, performance and it isn't, like, their authentic selves. But when I first 
entered porn, like it was very much like, okay, I'm going to be very much like true to my sexuality and what I like and what I don't like. And there kind of came much more like a kind of um, a performative side to myself, which now I feel very much serves me very well. Like I now have this authentic self that I try to stay true to my desires and my wants, my needs and my likes. And I also have this very performative side uh, to myself, which is very different. I'm never one or the other. There's, it's always like a balance, a scale. I would kind of consider myself in, if you kind of think of like BDSM terms, you have something called like dominant submissive, and then you have another, a third thing, which is called like a switch, who's, you know, someone who's versatile, who switches between, um, who or who likes to play as a dominant or like submissive or like, you know, in the middle. And then that's much more what, in my authentic, like, everyday sex life. That is where I'm comfortable. And then I try to also bring that more into, again, bring that authenticity into my work um, as a performer. But again, then I, you know, as a performer, I'm very limited in that because, like, a lot of the roles that are available because of what I'm typecast as, there's not that much. So then, you know, my performer self is very much like, okay, then maybe you should just do those typecasts, you know, and not push back against, you know, what is already there. Um, so, so do you feel there's something transgressive about you being the submissive partner in such scenarios where you are expected because of how you look and how people perceive your gender to be, to be the dominant penetrating partner? Mm. So I think one thing to kind of take out of that is like, it's not always penetration that is seen as dominant. But that is, again, like the, I guess, the stereotype or, you know, what is normalized as in, oh, if you are a penetrator. Um, one image that kind of comes to mind where you can be submissive, but have like, but in control of the penetration. So like, you know, when you see one of those like face dildo things where, you know, um, you have some sort of submissive person with, you know, like a dildo. So, so the dildo would be strapped onto yeah, on their forehead or mouth. Mouth or even wherever on, you know, and the person, you know, they are then penetrating whoever. I tried to kind of get away from those roles um, where there was like a huge emphasis on race. A lot of when I first started, like a lot of the porn that I was doing was like kind of self-made or, you know, um, between friends, kind of queer porn where it was very much like gender wasn't like a huge emphasis. It was very much like queer people kind of getting together and just, you know, having sex. And that sex looked very different. Sometimes it was penetration, sometimes it wasn't penetration, sometimes, you know, it was like so many whatever um, sex looked like for those those particular people. It was just pleasure in some sort of sexual or se uh, sexual grat gratification in um, some sort of way, which might include penetration or not. But then when I started entering like much more um, the wider scope of like porn, as I said, when you have these strong categories, it's very hard to, where do you sit? And as I said, yeah, you have like straight porn and you have like gay porn and then you have um, trans porn, but then you also have as a, this alternative porn where maybe queer alternative porn, which is like just everything else, where queer porn and everything else kind of is in BDSM, um, but there's not much of it. So if, you know, your primary source of income is as a performer, you might have to then fit yourself into 
one of those categories. So that yeah, that's where you know it would be very hard to push back or to be like I am like a non-binary performer who doesn't want to be like solely identified by like my race. While a lot of those a lot of those genres or categories like their main selling factor or you know was capital capitalizing on those um maybe not on non-binariness but like definitely on race so you as um a black person how can i you know if you don't want me to categorize you or capitalize off your race then you have like no use to me or i don't know where you fit in this like jigsaw you know so just being a human being that performs and is able to enjoy pleasure with others is something that is difficult to 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 do in a pure sense because you're saying people want to cast type you and categorize you as you're you're a bl- you're black you look male so they, these are the roles that you're expected to yeah and I point. think it's much more prominent for as I said for um, marginalized people because we don't have as much access or as much kind of you know roles available to us where i feel yeah like with performers who are cis and maybe who are a white yeah it's much more like there isn't a huge emphasis on you know the only time that white whiteness is capitalized on is when it's like in interracial scenes it always has to be in contrast to you know something else whilst any other time it's like they won't say this is a white yeah it's porn like yeah. movie yeah like this they just call it a porn movie but they would say this is a black yeah like black in those home. yeah like there's no other maybe there's some that i'm forgetting but like I, in my experience yeah like there's no yeah there's no like huge emphasis on like race or you know particularly like whiteness when it kind of doesn't have you know like another like ethnicity I next asked Rooster about how he experienced his sexuality in public. Okay, currently, like, the partner that I have would identify as, like, a woman. But, you know, in the past, I've had, like, partners who were, like, non-binary or, like, more masculine presenting and stuff like that. And again, you know, showing, you know, public displays of affection when I'm out with, like, my partner and stuff. Like, in those kind of contexts, it's very, very tricky to be, like, you almost have, or even when I'm just alone, I, I always have to, like, balance this kind of, you know, displaying some sort of, like, aggressiveness that's ready to go off, but also holding back at the same time, but also at the same moment be as unintimidating as possible in terms of, like, trying to not frighten (laughs) any, like, white people who, not even just white people, like, anyone who just kind of, like, is like, ah, you know, who, who... this kind of like stereotype of what you know a black person in a hoodie is or in a big black jacket you know this kind of perceived violence from from us but then also i have to be ready for any kind of like display of aggression or any display of you know violence towards me so it's like this very much like don't be so kind of like intimidating but also be very ready but then when you're again when i'm with like you know like a partner who is very masculine and then if i show affection and stuff it kind of disrupts that that thin line that you're trying to thread and that's good and bad sometimes like you know then maybe i've had you know i was just holding you know my yeah like one story i had i was just holding like 
my partner's hand, who um, was like assigned male at birth, but it's like non-binary. And they're like taller than me and like mixed race and like curly hair. And we were with some groups of friends and we were just walking. We were in Old Street in some like alley. And I think it was like a Thursday night or whatever and people were like drinking and stuff. But like some some person, you know, some guy like, you know, decides to walk up to us and instead of encountering anyone else, like just encounters like us, uh, like me, uh, ignores all my other friends and just me and my partner and says, oh, can I, can I, can I give him like mis misgenders, like my partner and just says, can I give him a hug? And I'm like, no, you know, just kind of like why, you know, just suddenly being like very overtly like getting up in our space and being like, can I give my partner a hug? And it's like, what? <laughs> um, and so then I had to very much like being very much like in this very, you know, before the person kind of came up to us being very much like friendly with my friends and very, being very like calm and, you know, very like open and receptive of people on the streets and like maybe not having an intimidating or blank face, which I think in London is very normal, you know, to just have like a very <laughs> blank passive face and just like you're on a mission and you're going where you're going to suddenly have this person kind of get in and, and then I immediately adopt this kind of like stance, which I normally do when I'm, you know, which is very much like standoffish and very much like, so I immediately like drop my partner's hand and I'm just very much like in this very, um, showing aggression, but like holding back and just being like, okay, like confrontational, but like not where I've like hit you yet. Like any, like anything you do will receive like a reaction that is, gonna immediately and you end up on the floor like it's gonna receive like an exponential reaction where yeah <laughs> um so with that kind of threat it was just you know very much like having to then you know adopt you know very much like switch and then that you know so even now yeah like being in public spaces is very weird yeah when juggling you know like sexuality and juggling um gender and stuff um, and not to say it only happens like just because of queerness, like even with my partner uh, currently who is actually like, who, as I said, like identifies as a woman and like she's Italian and she's white. When I've traveled with her and I've always like pre-warned her, some, yeah, we sometimes we travel to like, I or I always pre-warn my partners now, like the way I'm out in public is very different from when I'm in a space with them. Like I'm very much like, not as smiley or not as kind of like laid back because I don't want to invite some sort of like, it's not unwanted attention, but I don't want to invite an opening, what people might perceive as an opening to then think they could invade your space somehow. Yeah. And then, um, just because I'm like smiley with one person and then, you know, they could then use that as an opening to, you know, take the piss and like push you know a button so what does it mean to you to be sexual it's very complex in terms of like because my work also involves me being sexual i have this kind of split self where you know for work i'm sexual but that is very different from how i'm sexual alone or in private and even then you know if i think of you know how i'm sexual when i'm not working so how I'm sexual with my partner is very different from how I'm sexual with myself when I'm just like masturbating alone, you know? Um, and even then when I'm just like masturbating, uh, you know, alone, like I feel like that is also very different in terms of, you know, sometimes I just masturbate 
because I'm frustrated and, you know, I'm working on like, I'm doing some writing and then I'm just like, oh, I'm just so frustrated. I need like a little break. And then I, you know, just like masturbate to have like a break with my thoughts. And then as soon as I'm done, I just go back to write. And that is a very different kind of being sexual compared to like, if I was just like masturbating out of pleasure. But do you, do you consider being sexual involves only something around doing something sexual? So you hear you're, you're talking about doing sexual. So either masturbating or sex or, but I'm wondering about being sexual. I don't, I feel like, let's take one example of like, if a lot of your pleasure was just through like voyeurism. Exactly. So you're not necessarily touching yourself. Yeah. You are seeing something. But then again, I feel that's very difficult because I could break that up in so many ways in terms of, you know, again, because a lot of my work is a huge part of my work is sex work. So, you know, even just being on my Twitter where, you know, I'm like posting uh, nude images or videos of people to buy like my content or just sharing or whatever. I'm seeing like sexual imagery or whatever, or stuff that could be very enticing and stuff. And I've learned to deal with it better now, but definitely it could, it, it could always just kind of, you know, get me going and, you know, I, I just have to, where I don't do any work and I'm just like masturbating or, you know, just looking or, you know, or not even masturbating, just like looking at like sexual images all the time. And, you know, even a lot of, the friends that I'm with on social media are also like sharing like very explicit kind of imagery and stuff like that or very sexual imagery. So my world is very much, you know, the majority of it online is very like sexual. Because it's voyeuristic? Because you are looking? To a degree, I've separated myself from, not that I don't, I it's almost like an appreciation in in some sense. Like I don't kind of like, I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, that's like a nice whatever, you know. Um, and I don't go into that voyeuristic self of of kind of like where it's like hugely gratifying and huge, because then I wouldn't, I wouldn't get any work done. <laughs> it would be just too hard. Because that's when you're masturbating to porn, that would be more voyeuristic, you mean? Yeah, or even like, I mean, even there's been times when I've not masturbated and just like looked at like, porn or like images and stuff and or even if I think of myself as a young kid or even recently you know you could just kind of endlessly like scroll and just be like again this voyeuristic kind of you know like where the main purpose of like scrolling or or of like going to websites or whatever or looking at a mag is just to be like stimulated yeah to be stimulated you know to have the sexual gratification Maybe even not touching yourself, you know. But that that is very different from, you know, me, you know, being on, so, like, for one, on, let's say, yeah, Twitter, or being on, like, many vids, which is a site that hosts, like, um, explicit videos and stuff like that. So, you know, I might actually go on there to upload some stuff or to chat with another person or to check out someone else's, like, work. And the... Uh, Images or the videos or the previews are very like satisfying erotically, but I, my goal is not, my, my goal has shifted 
a bit where I'm like, I'm actually just going to do something else rather than this sexual gratification. Whilst, you know, looking at a Playboy mag when I was younger was very much like, oh, I just want to like, you know, look. And even then when I was younger, it wasn't like, I didn't even know, I when did I like first masturbate? I think like when I was like 12 or 13 or whatever. And I've definitely looked at magazines when I was younger. And I could like, there was no perception of like an end result where it's like, oh, masturbation and a climax. It was more like this sexual, yeah, this voyeuristic kind of, you know, like urge and like being satisfied by that. That was the end goal. Whilst when I'm going now and I'm still surrounded by, again, these like same images or, you know, maybe not the same, but like similar kind of types. The goal is different. I could easily be distracted and end up with that same goal and then just be like, go on like an endless scroll and be like, <sighs> I almost have to like shift my perception and be like more appreciative and be like, okay, yeah, I can see how sexually stimulating that could be. But I'm also like interested in other stuff like, oh, how did you like that? Or how many minutes is that? Or how did you market that? Con like, how did you create this? And what can I use from that to... So it's more technical. Yeah. Or maybe, yeah, maybe that's how I break it down where, you know, I'm not, yeah. What, what would you say you have learned from your work about sexuality? So I think um, this is almost like a two, or can be answered in two parts in terms of what I've learned has like greatly helped me in terms of like, as I said, I had a very, my relationship with sex has always been very complicated um, from the start. Having been like, you know, experienced like sex as a kid or as a child, you know, through very traumatic circumstances and, you know, um, abuse and stuff. And I didn't particularly think of porn being healing or sex work in general, because it wasn't just porn being healing to that i i wouldn't congratulate sex work for just doing all of the work because therapy also did <laughs> a lot of the work therapy is awesome but i definitely managed or what i found you know when before doing sex work or even being in bdsm and stuff i really struggled to kind of communicate to other people about like my boundaries and about my needs or even engage in sex it was very like hard and going through BDSM and through a being a performer and all of, you know engaging in sex work I've learned one my my sexuality has grown and has changed and you know has expanded and has de-expanded <laughs> has contracted and you know it's it, it, it's evolved but I with that I've also learned greatly about my boundaries and about you know what I enjoy and what I don't and also how to communicate that to other people and it's something that I would never stop like learning like because communication you know there's not it doesn't end like it's always like something you can always be better at it you can have like different types of relationships <laughs> in terms of people put a very like a huge emphasis on sex as you know like if you think of like a traditional monogamous relationship okay you're going to be having sex with that one person the whole time and only that person. And sometimes, like, sex is not even, uh, like, you know, relationships are not always just about sex. Like, 
um, I've, I've gotten to appreciate where, you know, I have a lot of sex with work <laughs> that almost it becomes like a, a chore or a bore. Like, you know, I've gotten to realize that, yeah, like, you know, you can have very much like, um, you can enjoy other parts of um, relationships to people without there being a huge emphasis on sex. And I found that from other people as well. Like, you know, that, you know, that doesn't always, um, I've connected with people in greater ways where, um, where, where like sex is off the table or even maybe not off the table where sex is not even considered as even being on table on the table. It's like, you know, Oh, we both, you know, we both do sex work, you know, or we both go on a date, like, you know, sex, you know, the goal is not sex at the end of it. And with that, we've come to the end of today's episode. Thank you very much for listening. You can follow Rooster on Twitter at Rooster underscore XXX. And if you have any comments or questions for me, you can email me on thisripefruit at gmail.com and follow this podcast on Instagram and Twitter at thisripefruit.